I'm Bailey. And I'm Serena. Welcome to Creative Baggage, a podcast that gets into the nitty-gritty of pursuing an artistic career. In this episode, we talk with Julian Loida about the social challenges that arise as a side effect of music school. We reflect on our own experiences dealing with drama and the difficulties of having our musical lives be intertwined with our personal lives. My name is Julian Loida. I'm originally from St. Louis. Grew up playing the drums uh, and percussion. Did classical music. Went to Indiana University, then New England Conservatory. Did summer festivals, that whole thing. Uh, got into and started a band uh, called Night Tree, toured around New England. Did the whole folk, folk uh, music thing. We even went to Sweden. Then I moved into doing a solo project or becoming more of a solo artist, writing my own music. Um, and I put out an album a year ago called Wallflower, which is really a celebration of being introverted, a uh, celebration of taking the time to just sit with yourself, see what you're thinking, see how you're feeling. My compositional style comes from sort of this synesthesia that I'm able to tap into with myself of experiencing sound with color. How did you um, get from this classical training to folk music so before classical music i was just super into just all sorts of stuff we listened to radio in my family all day long classical music was like my rebellion because my grandpa was super deep into classical music like we'll be in the car and he'll like be like that's such and such opera and i'm like i i've taken like eight years of his history and i have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and my mom was like rejects classical music for the most part and then I came along and found his record collection with Glenn Gould and Phil Glass, and I was like, this is this is it. Um, so I got into classical music kind of late, but went mm. in face first. So I, I started playing like percussion when I was 17. I started to like read music when I was 17-ish to wow. 18. I, I'm really late. So before that, I was playing drum set, fairly self-taught in a lot of ways. I was in a band. We play a lot, just using my ears. So... I guess the thing I found is I had musical instincts. Like I felt, I sort of knew where the music was going to go before it was like, mm-hmm. I would be, even on the drum set, I would be able to hear a singer songwriter come in and I'd be able to know where the stuff is coming and where the feelings are and things like that. I've just been into everything for as long as I've been into music. And it just kind of built up these abilities to access rhythms, access feelings, access timbres and, and structures of music. And so when I would just sit down with musicians or, or something, I kind of just could go with it and see where it was going most of the time. Mm. Us, uh, well, I guess so I got a cajon. That's where it starts. So I got a cajon and started playing kind of duo with this singer songwriter who's now like famous, Tony Saputo, uh, who I went to high school with. Wow. He would just do duo stuff. And that's kind of where that just broken down version came from and combining that with playing with a rock, uh, a rock band and, um, just kind of putting all the elements that I grew up learning to play and music that I was listening to, it just just was happening. But I guess the thing to say is it just was when I got musical situations, I had listened to enough music to know maybe what to do or to trust my instincts in those situations. So folk music was, I was in Boston, and honestly, there's just a lot of folk music. I grew up listening to folk music and going down to Nashville with my family. And so when I knew there was bluegrass, I was like, ah, oh. so I would go to all the bluegrass shows or singer-songwriters and, and they listen to these singers. I always love playing behind singers. And so it's kind of like, I feel like if I had been in 
Mexico City and I was hearing salsa, I would have gotten into that. Like it was like folk, Boston has a really strong folk music scene and that I was lucky to get into. And it was just kind of what was there and right timing. And they accepted me more than honestly classical music did. Yeah, that's so cool. I feel like Bailey and I have talked a lot about kind of an opposite process from you where we grew up playing flute in a really strictly classical um, background and it's been really hard to even consider expanding into other genres of music Um, so it's cool to see someone that like came to classical music with other roots yeah I'm jealous (laughs) (laughs) the music that we played and then the music that we loved and had fun with were not always the same um and I think it's so cool to see someone who's had success in both realms um, that didn't come from this background of, okay, at four years old, my mother handed me a violin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's very, you know, it's, it's cool to see that other side of it. Um, and I'm sure, you know, that has a lot to do with, you know, your success and your ability to put out other music of a high quality um, mm. in another genre, you know? Yeah, classical music was this like foundation. I felt like I wanted to get that schooling because it was just going to be this amazing foundation and things. And it's so funny to talk to you guys today, like with the pandemic, you know, every day is up and down. (laughs) And I was literally like, like, I have nothing to say about anything. I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's, and I, I was thinking, you know, when you, I was thinking about like, why did I become a music major? I that was the worst decision I could make. <laughs> why did I decide to do this? <laughs> because I got into it late, I had a whole other uh, complex with it where I was around people who had been doing that and were telling me basically, whether overtly or or with their their lack of a better word, snobbery, that I wasn't able to do this. I wasn't gonna be able to do this. I started too late. Mm. Um, there's no way, you know, and it was like, if you don't get into Juilliard, what are you doing? You might get lucky to get a job later on. Um, and that was really hard. I mean, I was like 17, 17, 18 years old and dealing with like, if I don't if the wrong choice, I'm gonna, what, what am I gonna do like in my life? And it, that is your life and blah, mm. blah, and you know, it's really high. Achieving kid in high school, so if I was gonna, I wanted to make the right decision or a good decision, and and I will say like I was lucky to be in a position where it wasn't really that my parents were putting uh, stress on me, which I know this case no. for me was I was just doing it to myself like like a crazy person. I think um, a lot of uh, like smart, talented, or just like high achieving kids in school academically um, get this kind of pressure of like why are you doing music you could be using your big brain for more important things or like more academic things and it's it's sad because it makes you feel like I mean I definitely felt like somehow my other talents were being wasted or like that if I don't end up succeeding in music it would have been a waste of my time because I could have succeeded in something else and whether it's coming from your parents or like your classmates or your teachers, like it's not a healthy position to be putting a kid in really. Yes. And I just remember like 
you know, my parents were pretty supportive, um, but they, even my supportive parents at moments were like, but Bailey, you're so smart. <laughs> you could do anything. First of all, I'm not smart, I'm clever. <laughs> That's how I was a straight-A student, not because of intelligence, because I knew how to cheat the system, number one. <laughs> number two, <laughs> like... I am so smart. Thank you. So let me do this because this is what I want to do. So clearly this is going to be the only thing that I'm going to put my energy towards. Mm -hmm. um, and it's such a toxic thing. And I see that so much, all these kids, like in those like gifted and talented programs that we would go to, and even the kids in youth orchestra, they all be like, I cannot do music because I have the potential to be a doctor. So I'm going to go be a doctor. I'm going to go be, you know, a scientist or, you know, whatever it was and a lot of those kids maybe wanted to be musicians and just couldn't withstand the pressure of the outside forces telling them to quit and you know? it's silly to think that like musicians are dumber like no I think you have to be really really intelligent to be a musician <laughs> right like you constantly, I mean, we talk about creativity on this podcast, you constantly have to be troubleshooting, coming up with new ideas on how you're going to fix a problem that you run into in your practice. You have to know how to market yourself. You have to kind of self-drive your life. And in a lot of ways, like, it takes so much more mental energy, maybe maybe not even intelligence, but like mental energy to sort through all of that stuff. Because if you were a doctor or a lawyer or you got a corporate job, like a lot of the things that you have to do would be handed to you and you would just do your work, get it done every day. And then you don't have to think about it when you go home. But with music, like it, it's all consuming. So I think it was my freshman year. I had this junior dude who like turned 21. I was practicing like 10 at night or something. I think I was practicing piano or all things. And he comes in and he just opens the door. It's like a sliding door or like a swinging door, right? Uh-huh. Or, and he's just like, Julian, you should quit. Cause you're something along the lines of like, you're really terrible at music and you just, you're, you just should quit because you have nothing going for you. <laughs> he's 21, I'm like 19. You know, so just, you know, a freshman in college, you know, he comes in and says this shit to me. And then he leaves. And then he comes back. He <laughs> like, walks around the stupid circles they have. Like, oh, oh, yeah, the rooms with the... <laughs> like, power plants that they call practice rooms. Right. He and then he opens the door and he, and he <laughs> says to me, he's like, I just want you to know that, like, I wasn't joking when I said all that. And then, like, leaves. And I was like, holy That's shit. so rude. <laughs> First of all, we're sorry that happened to you. Second, like, that's real. And it does happen. Yeah, like, he had turned 21 that day. I guess I realized later he had gone out drinking. To me, that doesn't make it okay at no. all. No. And so it, it was just really, it's just one of the things, like, I look back now and I'm like, oh, he was threatened. That's actually sort of a compliment, maybe. But <laughs> it was just really, it was really intense. I guess. And there was, there was a lot of competitive feelings from people, you know, even if you came in and like, you're like, Oh, I play drums in a band. People didn't really know that I could play and like back a band. Mm. I mean, and it, and then at any seat, like, I don't know, there's this weird things with like dude percussionists. And I guess like looking back, it's like, <laughs> if you click with like for people in school, if you click with people like follow that. And for people who make you feel like shit, like leave them alone it is just as important to learn the, the understanding of human 
interacting with humans and interacting with yourself as it is with actually making music and understanding music. I think that needs to be taught so much more because we waste so much time as musicians and energy, like freaking out about the fact that like, when I played that crash symbol, like the person next to me, like looked at me weird. And it's like, mm. I how that whole thing that if you do some self-help stuff that you can kind of lower that a lot. And spend more time <laughs> on music, you know? Yeah. Bailey and I have a funny story. So, um, our freshman year, there was a, a sophomore trumpet player that always hung out with Bailey and she was like, why don't you hang out with people your own age? Why are you hanging out with freshmen? And he told her, sophomore year, you lose all your friends. And we were like, you're joking, like, haha, whatever. Sophomore year, end of sophomore year, we lost all our friends. <laughs> we only had each other. <laughs> and it's just the, the music school environment of like, everything is so new. You're all living in the same dorms. Like you're all playing in the same ensembles and in the same music theory class classes and so you form this like false giant group of friends right and then at some point it just all comes crashing down because like we're all seeing each other every single day and so you start to realize like the people that you may have gotten along with if you didn't see them every second um you just can't deal with anymore after two years of seeing them every minute of every day well yeah and a lot of them I think what we realized um, was that Serena and I, we both felt very valued musically, but then in turn learned that we were not valued as humans. And you see, and I, it kind of shows two ways of what you're talking about, I think. Like there would be times where if you played in a master class and you played really well, and, or even more importantly, if you played well, the teachers showed some sort of sign or said something that you played well. Uh-huh. The cool thing that happened where, depending on how it went or your age and how many people there were around your age, you would then become popular oh or, like, God. cool. Yeah. If, it, if the way it all worked out where, say, you were a grad student, there were other grad students and there's an audition coming up or whatever, and you played well and the teacher said something well, you might just get shunned because, oh, everyone's, like, quietly insecure about show that by shunning you like maybe it was just for me in boston but i talk about this sometimes of there was a lot of aggressive silence at my time at and you're involved aggressive like loud aggressive silence oh like give you this angry silence um that was that's that's just something that i think will probably stay with me forever that experience of others other people's silence um you know, that is such a weird, a weird thing, but I think we need to learn to communicate and just like let stuff go. I don't know. And this wasn't even things the teachers like were not competitive with us really or weird. I don't think too much with that stuff. It was just the, the nature of auditions and yeah. you know, world and just the insecurities and, oh, is someone getting better than me? But it's so weird because sometimes it'd be like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. Like, and then the support and you just never knew which way it was going to go. Yes. yes. You know, there's the, what you said about the silent hostility and silent aggression. Like, I've been able to cut the tension in a room with a knife. Mm. And I don't think that that's healthy for anybody's musicianship. Yeah. I think at the same time, like, competitiveness aside, when your whole world and your whole education revolves around music, it is a little bit hard to separate. Like, if I'm not happy 
with how someone's playing in a group where I feel like my colleague and my friend is always late or not prepared for rehearsal it's hard for me to like put that aside when we're just hanging out also because it's all related and like if you know that someone's being irresponsible in the classroom I don't know how you can like ignore that when you're not in the classroom as well like your lives are just mixed together in that like conservatory soup (laughs) or like it's the same thing if like something happens to you outside of rehearsal and you have like a a falling out with someone like how do you still play cordially with them in orchestra (laughs) that is not just a college thing if not worse when you're out of school oh yeah that is is, yeah for sure yeah like orchestras they're all married to each other and they all like dated each other it's like insane and and it's a job you all have for the rest of your life too so like baggage from when you were in your 30s and trying to like date someone that wants to date somebody else carries on to when you're 65 and almost retired and that is why i think we we beg people on this podcast like go you know not that we're we're not professionals at anything but it's like we have found so much joy in looking and dealing with other parts of creativity and art because then you can just meet some new people you can connect yourself with something that's not just... And I'm talking... You can even go to a different kind of music. Mm. Just get out of the conservatory orchestra, blah, 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 blah. Like that mess, that soup. Because if you leave that swamp, you can start to... Your brain... New little parts of our brain start to light up again that we're just shut off, you know? Yeah. Um, and you won't, I don't think you'll lose the things that are to be gained in a conservatory setting, right? Like, you already went through it, or you're currently going through it. Like, all of that training, the value that comes out of it, you get to keep, right? Like, what you are shedding is just, like, the drama. And I'm, I don't know, like, I have always been able to kind of avoid drama. It didn't really happen to me that much in high school, like... I kind of mind my own business, but somehow in music school, it found me and it followed me around anyways. Um, so I don't think like when drama happens in music school, it's because you stirred it up. I think that there's something about the social dynamic of the way that the school like is set up. It kind of festers and it bubbles up and nobody really has a choice but to be stuck in it. So my website is julianloida.com. You can go there for all things of mine. Um, you can find my streaming links, podcast. You can find sheet music. Uh, it's best to find me on my Instagram. I think it's just at julianloida. There's only one julianloida in the U.S. So uh, same on Facebook. Friend me. Find like my artist page. Um, follow me on Spotify. Would love that. I have a single coming out the first week in September on Bandcamp. And then it'll be coming out on streaming the following week. That's September 4th and then September 11th for that track dropping. And going to be putting out tracks hopefully each month um, via that with some new collaborations. And check out my podcast, I'm a Millennial Musician. Uh, follow it. Give it five stars. Give, uh, give all your podcasts five stars. Let's just say that.